0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Mark and Sarah talk about
1: songs. Talk about songs. Talk about songs. songs. Welcome back to Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs. It's episode one of our America's Damp 40 season. I'm your co host, Sarah D. Bunting, and I'm here, as always, with Mark Blankenship. Hello, Mark.
2: Why, hello, hello, hello.
1: If you're not sure what the America's Damn 40 season even means, there's much more information at our Patreon page, which is public to all, patreon.com slash massass. There's a pinned post over there that will explain everything. But you're smart. You're listening to this podcast. You'll probably pick it up just from context. And here to provide a little more context is Mark.
2: All right, y'all. So, we are going to, over the course of this season, be building a top 40 of the moistest hits of the 70s and early 80s. And we're going to be doing that five songs at a time. So, this week, we are only going to have five songs. And our patrons have voted on these five songs uh, to help choose the moistest of them. Sarah and I are also voting to choose the moistest. So, at the end of this, we will have a ranked top five. Now, next week, these five songs will return with five additional songs, giving us a ranked top 10. But don't worry about that today. Today, we are only talking about these five songs in the context of one another, and that's going to help us build our first chart on the road to the ultimate chart. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So our five songs today are All I Know by Art Garfunkel, Angel of the Morning by Juice Newton, Arthur's Theme by Christopher Cross, Babe by Styx, and Baby come back by Player. So here's what that means. On Patreon, anyone who went to the page was able to vote for the songs that they think were the moistest. The song that the listeners choose as the moistest will get five points. The song that they think is the least moist will get one point. The same will be true for Sarah and I. We will be uh, assigning point values to each song. We'll then add up the totals and use that to get our final ranking for this week. Uh, I think, Sarah, that's all the ado that we need. I think so, too. Um, just a quick note also that if you
1: want a complete list of all 40 songs, once again, patreon.com slash There's a like sent com post that explains everything. It has all the songs. It has a playlist one of our listeners made. Uh, so you can get the entire list there. But we will be proceeding through the list in alphabetical order by title, which is how we begin With Mr. Art Garfunkel, the king of shut-up and land, and his 1973 hit, All I Know. Had you ever heard
2: this song before, Mark? I'll tell you why I had. Because if you stretch your mind back into the past, we did a patrons-only single about songs by ands.
1: Oh, God. that's Where we talked about that
2: god-awful Andrew Ridgely song. Oh, yes. And we listened to that, to this song by Art Garfunkel as part of that patrons only single. So I remember it only for that reason, but I will say from a chart perspective, all I know is Art Garfunkel's only solo top 10 hit. It peaked at number nine. Um, of course, Paul Simon had many, many solo hits and won lots of Grammys, which Art Garfunkel did not do, but God bless him and his curly haired spirit. um, So, yeah, my only memory is actually in the context of this show. What about you?
1: Um, I didn't even have a memory in context of the show (laughs) because it was a long time ago. We talk about a lot of songs and this is like uh, it's both quintessentially moist and also extremely forgettable because Garfunkel needs Simon in a way that Simon does not need Garfunkel. Um, But this is going to be a fascinating song to start our discussion with because I think the sound and the lyric are so moist but if you have someone else singing this song and many people have sung it including Alan Cumming of all things um well we'll we'll do a compare and contrast but first let's hear a clip of uh, Art Garfunkel's um seminal what? all I know from 1973 I'm not, I mean, this sounds very moist, but it's not Yacht Rock. And it's not, it's not even close to the moistest of this group, in my opinion, because I think it is in that garfunkily, pained, pleading way, very sincere and
2: not maybe actually about trying to get it
1: wet. Right.
2: So, and just to be clear, for you, and I also think for me, but I, I want to make sure I'm understanding your perspective, there is a certain amount of insincerity that is required to consider a song truly moist.
1: It's not necessarily insincerity because it's possible that whoever is um, uh, expressing dampness, um, is essaying humidity, is like they think they're sincere, but what they... They're misunderstanding their own intent or they're in denial that it's like, you know, there's a warm wind blowing the stars around and I really want to see you tonight, dot, 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 so that we can fuck. I mean, I, I think that is the subtext for a lot of the songs that we're discussing, but I don't think that's necessarily negative. Right. As I said in our intro episode, like, I think 70s white heterosexual men were not necessarily equipped to talk about intimacy in any other way than penis and vagina creating a glorious union. So
2: (laughs) hot dog and donut, if you will.
1: Right. But I, I get the feeling that art Garfunkel is like, look, um, even if we never fuck, I still love you. Yes. Um, and I think art Garfunkel is a little more self-aware about the difference between emotional and sexual intimacy and that Venn diagram. Um, but he also just has a rather histrionic voice. So.
2: Yeah, but- I think that there's something to me about this song that emulates why it isn't quite moist. There's something about the simplicity of the arrangement for one thing, the nakedness Uh, with which he is allowed to sing because he is just such a good singer. I don't think that we can argue that. And there's something to me about a truly moist song that tries to wrap you up in sort of sonic butter in a way. (laughs) Yeah, I do. This is too plaintive. It's too exposed somehow. And um, I actually think that this song is very pretty. I will say, though, that it's very pretty in the moment, and then I can never remember it after it's over.
1: I um for Emily, wherever I may find her is sort of like that. Cause that's a yes. like garfunkel joint that's like um
2: I love you, girl. Oh, yeah. I love you. <laughs> yeah, that
1: he is very it's not even sincere. It's just like this is the sort of Hail Mary pass of singing. That he's like, um, you know, Emily, I'm just putting it all out there. And like those, that sort of Descant style thing that he is able to do while never losing control of it. I'm I'm not sure how moist it is, but then he looks like such a moist 70s divorced dad with the yes. fro and the vest and the. Uh, I mean, I can't hit these notes. I can't get within a you know, 100 yards of these notes. And he's like, that's the job. I'm moist guy. Like, his whole presentation you think is moist, but then when you dig into it, like we're doing right now, I'm not sure.
2: And Yeah, I I feel like that there's also, like, this is... Go with me on this. Even in the episode we did or the two part episode we did where we ranked every song on bridge over troubled water, the album Mm -hmm. we were talking about art Garfunkel as someone who is very, he inhabits character through song. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's something almost too performative about his singing. It's like he's, he's too theatrical to be truly moist. I
1: had a note. Um, That there was a Bette Midlerian level of um, melodrama. Yes. In this performance, which, again, this is not a pejorative. No. But Bette Midler, even if the performance was utterly sort of like messy and outre, it was a designed messy and outre, I would argue.
2: Her Um, version of Beast of Burden. Uh, is a great example of that. It's, it's like sloppy on purpose.
1: There's also the fact that this song, um, as written by Jimmy Webb and, uh, Mark can give us some more facts about Jimmy Webb in a sec, but the way it's written, you can, you can put any clothes on it that you want and it still, it still can go out. Mm-hmm. Um, he recorded a version of it 10 or 12 years ago with Linda Ronstadt that I think illustrates this. I tried to clip more or less the same section that we just heard in the Garfunkel original, but let's listen to that and then we can talk a little bit more about Mr. Webb and also about the fact that this song may have just hung its own bag of damp RID in its own basement and defied us. Here's a clip. I love you
0: and... And it's all I know All my plans Keep falling through All my plans They Depend on you
2: yeah, I definitely
1: recommend damn. seeking out this version of it, which is very um resigned and beautiful in this sort of late middle age. Here's where we are. So let's enjoy it kind of way that was extremely striking and made me revise some of my initial thoughts about the Garfunkel version.
2: Hmm. Yeah. I I think that you, you said it well that the song may have snookered us because (laughs) I, I actually don't think that any of the other songs on this list can can change as much as that one just changed. Yeah. And that is a good sign that a song is maybe not that moist because I also think a truly moist song is you can't escape that quality, that sort of that, that gooey emotional quality. Again, it's really a bad thing.
1: This has been covered. I mean, by Alan Cumming, as I mentioned, um, I have not heard that version, but I mean, The man knows a little something about theater and performance, but it's also been covered by, um, I think, for a soundtrack of some sort, um, the 21st century's, you know, premier purveyor of moisture, Five for Fighting. Uh And you can just imagine... That you're going to be wringing out the hem of your pant leg after walking through the Five for Fighting version. Like, that is going to be some Kentucky in August humidity. The
2: the level of cloying self-regard in a Five for Fighting song is so moist. That I get a hairball in my throat just hearing the name of the group, which is just one guy, but still. <laughs> oh, um, God, I always forget about that. It's <sighs> worth pointing out that Jimmy Webb, the guy who wrote this song, wrote Wichita Lineman by Glenn Campbell. And perhaps most insane of all, MacArthur Park by Richard Harris and then, of course, Donna Summers. So. Jimmy Webb able to give you some complexity and some weirdness in his songwriting that I have to respect. I mean, there is some, he also wrote up, up and away. Yes. Which, by the by fifth dimension. Yeah, he sure if did.
1: There's a, um, there's probably some interview with him about that song, but I wonder if he ever was like, Oh my God, I made a million dollars on that song. And every time I hear it, it makes me want to barf. Cause I mean that and Wichita Lineman in one career, It's a lot.
2: And in the process of doing the research for this episode, I uh, came across a song he wrote that Linda Ronstadt covered called The Moon is a Harsh Mistress. Uh Uh-huh. That is a fucking lost classic, ladies and gentlemen. That is
1: a gooder. I heard that too. That's a nice one.
2: Such a good song. So, yeah, Jimmy Webb, he contains Moistitudes.
1: (gasps) We're just going to take it. We're just going to sucker MCs better jump back.
2: (laughs) The patrons, I have to say, do not think this song is all that moist, even though it's one of only five competitors. They still put it dead last fifth place. So that's only one point from them. Mm -hmm. And uh, I Can't really disagree with him all that much. I put this song in fourth place and gave it two points. That is
1: where I entered it as well. And I was absolutely sure that this was going to be top three moistest. I know that's the thing. At least in here. But yeah, I don't
2: know. So that's a total of a mere five points for art.
1: Well, but we both ranked something else lower, so...
2: We sure did. God knows. Well, next, it's Juice Newton's version of Angel of the Morning. Uh, Before we dig into that song, why don't we hear a little clip?
1: i i mean i don't even know where to start with this so i will begin by saying this um the author of the the guy who wrote the song chip taylor i read somewhere in my research that he said he was inspired by ruby tuesday yes the rolling stones and once you know that it's all you can fucking hear it's like when you are doing the crossword and you have a word in mind for the space and you know it's wrong it doesn't fit but then you cannot think of any other words with that number of letters you're just <laughs> like stuck on it you
2: just so, keep typing cleat over and over and over again.
1: yeah i do like it's a pumph. that's not a thing god damn it <laughs> so i mean maybe in uh maybe in the german version so uh, this this song i have always really enjoyed this song um, I was surprised in my research to learn how far back before Juice it dated and how many people after her also covered it. Like, Rush? What? (laughs) And Nina Simone, which I deliberately avoided listening to that version because it's like, I will, like, I just don't want to know. Like, I think that's going to really corrupt things. And the Ruby Tuesday problem is giving me enough uh, agita right now.
2: The Ruby Tuesday problem could be the name of my memoir, because that's the first job I ever had as a host <sighs> at Ruby Tuesday. Uh-huh. Okay. And there was a, I was a host, but the sign said, please see hostess proceeding. And there were so many people who thought they were being so funny when they would ask if I was the hostess. And I was like, mm, okay, I'm going to go spit in your salad.
1: <laughs> I mean, I would never actually
2: do that, but I thought it.
1: Mark and Sarah talk about food service nightmares. Um, so I'm interested to hear from you. I mean, I know you have a lot of amazing chart facts or just Chip Taylor facts. Holy shit. This guy has lived a life. But what do you think is happening in this song, according to the narrator?
2: Well, I think that she's basically saying, uh, it, it's kind of an, I can't make you love me. Song. Uh-huh. that was in my notes. She really loves this guy. She knows that she cannot force him to stay. She's hoping that she can have one last night with him and she, he can just be sweet to her for one last night and then be nice to her in the morning before he leaves. And then she accepts that he is going to turn away from her forever.
1: Huh? Okay. That's, I mean, I don't think that's an incorrect interpretation. Mine was a little more, um, Mine was a little like meaner to the to the object of the affection that I felt like prior to this she had resisted fucking this guy mm. because she knew she was catching feelings and he wasn't going to and that mm. when she finally submitted it would be great sex and she would be enmeshed and he wouldn't and ah, this is her sort of being like. he's like oh no no no! i'll call you and she's like you're not going to so say some sweet things to me and then get out so that i can grieve making the mistake of going all the way with this which i i knew this was going to happen and now i just have to deal with it right i don't know where i'm getting all of this backstory it's just what i was hearing today when i was listening to it so
2: well either way we know for a fact that there's some fucking going on Mm -hmm. and That is one of the reasons that I actually lobbied pretty hard for this song to be included, even though you, I think, correctly said at the very beginning, is this song even moist? Because to me, the opening lyrics of the second verse really do merit discussion for this season. Maybe the sun's light will be dim, and it won't matter anyhow. If morning's echo says we've sinned, well, it was what I wanted now. Yeah. And I feel like that for women in this time, this was the way that they were able to say, I just want you to stick it in. They had to couch it in some sort of (laughs) Uh regret. Yeah, Like, they couldn't just be horny. They had to be horny with complicated feelings. But this was like the code for I just want to fuck you one last time or for the first time as you just interpreted. Either way. So... To me, the song is interesting in that sense because it's the way that a woman was allowed to be horny in this format.
1: I I think you're probably I think that's probably closer to it because I think if you really unpack the lyrics that you know, what is on the page is that she's like, well, maybe this was a sin and we shouldn't have, but A, I'm going to perform regret so that I don't get a rep or whatever. Um, and B, I don't actually think that we should be in a relationship. Um, but I would like you to continue the illusion of like this particular, extremely short lived world of two. Just say sweet. Nothing's to me. Mm -hmm. Um, I will spare you having to be like, oh, I'm going to cut. But like, I don't believe whatever you're about to say. I didn't really believe whatever you said to get a leg over last night. It's all good. Here's your pants. What's your hurry? So (sighs) I think actually it might be a little more um, DTF, but let's do the polite, gracious thing the morning after where you drink some coffee and tell me how pretty I look with mascara running down that half my face and then you leave and we never talk again this
2: happened to a friend numerous times well I just want to say uh first of all that that interpretation makes a lot of sense to me second of all I want to say that listeners you can spare yourselves the merrily rush version of this song which was the first version of the song that became a hit in the late 60s it peaked at number seven but as far as i'm concerned is
1: terrible it's not a good vocal it's just not uh, it's not a good vocal it's sitting on top of the interpretation
2: i mean i don't know it's it's just it really underscores how excellent juice newton's performance is her version reached number four in uh 81 this was a brief beautiful period when juice newton was a superstar She's from new jersey yes her real name is judith cohen but (laughs) she she then changed it to juice newton i mean sure um but i actually love the five big hits of juice newton i listen to them all the time sarah i adore this song i do not think it is very moist i I don't either but i fucking love it and um I just want to read a comment from one of our listeners who posted on the Patreon poll for this episode. She said, Oh, this is from Elizabeth P. She says, angel of the morning has an intensity that for me is not moist. Part of moistness, in my opinion, is a certain level of apathy, both in terms of performance and content. Listen, I love you and it's fine. It's not great. It's not bad. It's just fine. It won't last forever. Won't be over tomorrow. Just a solid 18-month relationship where we both sort of realized we grew apart and part on cordial terms. Which I <laughs> thought was actually pretty astute.
1: Yeah. And I think like, that... He's like, well, I've got to go on tour. And she's like, alright, bye. Yeah, here's your key on the but, counter. Like, here's. But I mean, there is something about the fact that when it's a straight woman, like a cishet woman artist who seems to have like changed lanes into the moist lane. There is an um, emotional manipulation at the heart of all pop music. That's what it's for. It's supposed to manipulate you into feeling something, singing along, dancing, whatever it is. Fine. Um, You know, no points off for that ethically. Um, But I think in a lot of these moist hits, um, there is the attempt to cloak, um, let's say, emotional um, ambivalence or confusion, to be kind about it, in lavender ribbons and bleeding saxophone that is going to make the object of the song, a lady that the singer wants to bone, be like, oh. That, like it's it's longing, yeah. And it's, not like a boner. Someone, and it's like handing uh,
2: someone. It's like you can do both like those a things. It's like a box. It's like oh, this is just a box. I'm going to reach my hand. Oh, there's a dick in there too. It's mm. like we're all agreeing to pretend like we don't know what's going on here.
1: Right. Right. And then I th- I think in some cases the moisture is because there is so much sincerity, but it's also like. I don't know, it's pathetic, but then there's also um, tumescence there that it's just this very particular to the late 70s. Like, let's not confuse Caritas and Cupiditas <laughs> <It's a> reference. <laughs> I can't believe I just dropped out loud where people could hear it. But anyway. Yeah, I mean, I'm st- I'm still refining these differences. It's what we're here to do.
2: Yeah. Totally. And, and another I think thing that we are here note is,
1: about apathy and like, this is like a strong B minus. I think that's really smart.
2: Yeah, I agree. Like just the fact that no one involved gives that much of a damn, but they're <laughs> willing to act like they do right now that I thought that was right on point.
1: Yeah. Like, let's get one more O out of it and then take care. If you need someone to catch it, give me a call on the landline. That is all we have.
2: <laughs> right. Um, Before we move forward with the final scores, I do want to just note, as you mentioned, Chip Taylor, who wrote this song, he is the brother of John Voight, which means he is the uncle of Angelina Jolie. And of all things, he also wrote the song Wild Thing by the Trogs.
1: Um, I will chime in that. The video for Angel of the Morning aired, it was the first country music video to air on MTV, and it aired on the first day of the channel's existence.
2: So, you know what, Juice? Miss Judith K. Cohen of New Jersey? Go ahead.
1: Yeah, look, The Pride of Lindhurst, very accomplished. I enjoyed revisiting the song, that gunfire guitar riff at the beginning. Oh, yes. I mean, I like, I could talk about just that for a while longer, but... Um, I'm not going to. Instead, I'm going to say, I just, I'm fascinated by digging into this song, but I don't think it's very moist.
2: Fifth, one point. Yeah. Similarly, I could listen to that big wailed out, baby, baby," like five or six more Mm -hmm. times. But I think that actually the passion and dedication in that moment is not moist at all. Also fifth place for me. Huh? One one moist point <laughs> for me, but moint. Uh, uh, the Ooh. listeners put the song in the middle. They gave it uh, three points in third place.
1: Is something preventing you from achieving your goals? Is something interfering with your happiness? Check out BetterHelp.com/slash Mark and Sarah. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. Better yet, you connect in a safe, private, online environment. It's so convenient. You don't even have to put on shoes and you can start communicating in under 48 hours. BetterHelp isn't a crisis line or self-help. It's professional counseling done online and securely. You can message your counselor anytime and get timely and thoughtful responses. And you can schedule weekly sessions, video or regular phone. Remember those? No commute, no waiting room, and no feeling like you're stuck with a counselor who isn't a good fit. BetterHelp is committed to setting up great therapeutic matches. If you need to change counselors, it's easy and free. And if your ears perked up at the word free, get this. BetterHelp is more affordable than traditional offline counseling, and financial aid is available too. Not in the US? No problem. BetterHelp is available for clients worldwide, and you can find the particular counseling expertise you need online. There's no need to stick with the pros who are geographically near you. BetterHelp's licensed professionals specialize in everything from depression and anxiety, distress and anger, family conflicts, grief, sleep problems, trauma, self-esteem, relationships, and LGBTQ concerns. And of course, anything you share is confidential. It's convenient, it's affordable and it's legit. You can head to betterhelp.com/reviews for testimonials from other folks. We want you to start living a happier life today. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com/mark and Sarah. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health at slash mark and Sarah. M-A-R-K and S-A-R-A-H. Thanks, BetterHelp.
2: Interesting. Which, for those keeping score, including me, puts it in a tie with All I Know. Interesting for now. Uh
1: Uh-huh. I'm interested to see where they put our next song, if you're ready to move on.
2: Oh, I am. This is Arthur's theme, by Christopher Cross, obviously from the movie Arthur, starring an Oscar-nominated Dudley Moore. This song also won the Academy Award for original song from a film. It was co-written by Christopher Cross himself, along with Burt Bacharach, Carol Bayer Sager, and (laughs) Peter Allen, who only contributed one line to the song, but the line was, if you get caught between the moon and New York City, so you could say he wrote the whole thing.
1: You, you really could. I mean, there is so much culturally going on here that from this distance, I, I think it's impossible for us to understand. Like, Bill James, who is the father of sabermetrics and has some problematic opinions, but he once said about actually the Lindbergh kidnapping that it's possible now for people to argue that Hauptmann was framed based on certain evidence that they choose to dismiss because they don't understand the importance of it because they were Mm. not a depression era jury. So like when Hauptmann is like, what I quit my job and played the stock market. Like it was 1933. People were standing on bread lines. He barely spoke any English. This is not likely a thirties jury. Isn't going to buy it a seventies or like aughts author being like, what's the big deal the The preeminence of Dudley Moore <laughs> in our culture i'm I'm not comparing that to the trial of the previous century, or am I actually I am because <laughs> Dudley Moore output is a serious trial to get through i I like I'm glad that you know they kept Liza busy with this shit, but oh
2: Dudley Moore was an Oscar nominee for this movie that even if you just watch the trailer of this movie, you think, ah, it is true that standards of what something of what makes something funny change more rapidly than what makes something tragic. But my God,
1: I just this horny little mulleted Brit, like off label Rod Stewart looking motherfucker who was drunk all the time. Like, (laughs) I don't
2: (laughs) get it. Did you ever see that Dudley Moore movie where he is, um, an advertising executive and he goes to um, an insane asylum and gets the patients there to start coming up with ads. Mm-hmm.
1: I, I did see that because that they aired so it on HBO one summer, like every day and we just watched it.
2: Why was it called crazy people?
1: Yeah, I think so.
2: Yeah. I used to love that movie. I remember that one of the ads in it was uh, Mercedes for men who want to get hand jobs from expensive women. I mean, true. <laughs> Volvo, it's boxy, but good.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Crazy people. They're not so crazy after all.
2: Yeah. I mean, the fact that we're talking this much about other Dudley Moore movies, uh, I don't know what it says. But before we move forward, let's listen to a clip from Arthur's Theme.
1: I love those fucking high harmonies on those last choruses so much.
2: Yeah, you're not going to hear a complaint from me either. So much.
1: Even that lyric, which when you look at it, it's like, that makes absolutely no sense, and yet is some of the best advice I've ever heard in a pop song. Like, (laughs) this is utter green, stinky, damp cheese, and... The fact is that I'm not even sure this is the moistest of Christopher Cross's songs, but we decided to go with this one, which I don't think was a mistake. With that said, I think generally Christopher Cross is like a fairly sincere guy. Like overall, the sound is very moist and yacht rocky. And even when Michael McDonald isn't actually singing on the track, you get the feeling that he was in the next room having a cigarette. Yeah. (laughs) Um, A menthol, by the way. Uh, there is an, not asexual, but there is like a, um, a outside of romance feel, like sailing is like, I th- I think it's probably just about sailing.
2: Well, I even read actually an interview with him where he said that sailing is just about sailing. He just and, likes sailing on a boat.
1: And like Ride Like the Wind is like, um, this is just a story song about a guy who's on the run from the law here's my friend Michael McDonald to tell you more about it on the <laughs> harmony line while smoking a merit filter like i, I don't <laughs> he's he sounds so moist and he also looks i mean you know you read up on Christopher Cross and it's like for some reason his career fell off a cliff during the MTV era it's like he he looks like a copyright compliant Jim Gaffigan that's <laughs> That was not
2: going to work in 1983, not with Prince Duran Duran. Right. I was going to say when the boys are singing it in the Rio video, I don't think that Christopher Cross really has much of a chance, which is no knock on his skill. But
1: there we go. Is anyone going to put him in body paint on the prow of a ship in which he is sailing? No. It's such like dad rock. It's, I mean, it's so well executed, it's so earnest. His voice. Uh, Like, that is a perfect voice for moisture. But even this was not, like, the moistest. Even with the saxophone, I just had it in third. Three points.
2: Interesting. It was not my moistest either. And, oh, my God, I have split so many ideological hairs over why this is true (laughs) to the point where even I was like, Mark, just pick. Just make a choice. I have Um, a
1: page and a half of notes of my trying to work through my shit. Just on this song.
2: Yeah. Okay, so here's first of all, I I love this song in an ironic but also unironic way. Like you said, you said it well, which is it's just so well done. It's like so expensive. Mm -hmm. You can hear the money that was used to make this recording what it is.
1: Well, like it knows what it is, and it's done by professionals. It meets the brief exactly. And look, the I mean, the last minute of this song is just like pleasure center button mashing for Bunsy. yes saying.
2: and it's just like so smooth it's frictionless yeah there's just there's not a single thing you have to worry about when you're listening to this song <laughs> and <laughs> I, that that sax tootle, come on it, yeah and it's completely I, I don't know how to explain it i don't think that christopher cross is perforce an insincere person because his song think of laura Mm -hmm. though used for General Hospital, was actually written about a young woman who was killed by a drive-by shooting. Yeah, I think if anything, he's overly earnest, probably. Yes, I think he's actually on that Melissa Etheridge tip where Mm -hmm. everything is so serious all the time, which is something we'll get into perhaps in a later season. But Uh Melissa Etheridge is just like always got a fist curled in front of her face and her eyes squinted really tight because she's just so earnest about everything. Anyway, Christopher Cross is in that Plane, which is one of the reasons this is not my number one. The other being, I, I don't, this is just how I feel. I feel like a song in the third person cannot be the moistest song. Yeah, I agree. That's, there I, is... I feel like he's not trying to get it in on Arthur's behalf. That's not going to cut it. Mm-mm. Anyway, I still put it in second place and gave it four points because there are so many things about this song that cannot be denied uh, that make it still, uh, you could tell me, Th- this was your number one choice. And I'd be like, okay, which is what the, the listeners did. They actually did put this song in first place. And I, I understand it. Mm. Yeah, so do I. Well, next we have, well, and also, I don't know if I said this, so I'll say it again. Arthur's Theme was a number one hit in the United States. So was our next song, Babe by Styx. Styx is only number one, in fact. Um, now, we've talked about the song, come sail away on this show before mm-hmm. a bug fuck crazy song where aliens descend <laughs> and take Dennis DeYoung on an adventure. I, I, I still don't know how this happened. I'm still glad that it did. Sticks I also wish they wrote, hadn't
1: returned him because then we got babe
2: terrible. I, Sticks also went on to write Mr. Roboto one of the weirdest hits of all time. So good. But yes, no complaints there. But then in the middle of all of that, they released a song that sounds like maybe it was written because Dennis DeYoung needed to buy a new in-ground pool. And he (laughs) thought, what would be the quickest way to cash in on the trends at the moment? And he gave us this song. Here's a clip.
1: It was a birthday present for his wife, who probably walked in on him getting a beige while working out the chords for Crystal Ball, which is an all time banger. But speaking of balling, here's Babe. <laughs> If Dan wrote anything like this for me for my birthday, I would throw Dan in the garbage. (laughs) Dennis, look, I, Mark is a little (laughs) younger than I am. So he is not going to remember how thoroughly we were saturated with the moisture of babe for years. (laughs) And how they would insist on putting it on during couple skate. And it was just disruptive because there were like camps. Like you were in Tommy Shaw sticks on the side of Tommy Shaw sticks, or you were on the side of Dennis DeYoung sticks, which was this like trying to be proggy, but actually weighted down with 50 pounds of ambient moisture. I mean, like there are songs by sticks that are like amazing, like Beethoven's Fifth, like the overture to um, Handel's Messiah, like perfect eggs of five minutes of song that you're like, oh, my God, how'd you do that? And then there's this cynical, plinky, um, shitty regional theater garbage that is absolutely Dennis DeYoung trying to get out of the doghouse because someone else's lips we're on little dennis but because of that it's extremely moist like it's it's not just the <laughs> sound it's the dennis is like watch this <laughs> i can get her back watch this and mrs deyoung is like god damn it fine it is a triumph of its genre that i hate and I'm pretty excited that I never have to listen to it again probably after we finish this season, except that it's always on in a fucking drugstore somewhere. So yeah. But like I don't like it, but the moisture is intense.
2: Does that mean it's your first place?
1: Um still no. Two. Oh <laughs> four points.
2: <laughs> well, oh, no. Oh. Well, um this song is <laughs> okay. On its own, Mark is a, speechless, people. If, buckle up. In a vacuum, this song is forgettable in a way that I find inoffensive. It's just sort of there. But in the context of other things that sticks made, I find this song incredibly offensive. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> because it's like. You could have been writing about robots fighting the aliens from those other songs, but instead, you like burped out this piece of shit.
1: <laughs> oh.
2: Oh my god. Gusting blob. That's exactly it. Now, I actually really <laughs> do appreciate that this season is not about ranking songs in order of our preference, though. No. Because Like you said, the moisture is undeniable. It's like when you put your hand down on that shag carpet, you're going to feel something wet. Yep. And you're not going to know what it is. Nope. And you are going to know better than to ever put your socks on and walk across that carpet Mm -hmm. because that's just going to be gross. Yeah. So, that song is, this song is for me in the middle, third place, three points. And the listeners put it in fourth place and gave it two points. And Sarah, that means that we only have one song left and we both are still waiting to reveal our first place. So that's pretty exciting.
1: Oh, boy. Well, you know who was
2: never waiting to
1: reveal things was the bassist in the group that we're about to talk about, Player. His name is Ron Moss. Two ends. Yes, folks. Ridge Forrester from The Bold and the Beautiful, who was often seen in a black Speedo. Back in the 90s, and no complaints. Um, the man's cheekbones could cut glass. Player. Like, their name is Player. <laughs> the song has baby in the title. It's it's going to be really hard for them to give up first place in this set of songs. Let's hear a clip just to review. <laughs> oh.
0: All day long, we're in a mascot. Trying to keep up a smile and hide it.
1: I mean, iconic. I know I make fun of people on other podcasts for saying iconic. This really is iconic. We could not have done this season without this song. Uh, It's not entirely clear to me what the narrative is here. This song could just as easily be about their coke dealer. (laughs) Um, it's not clear to me why the guy is apologizing it could be one of those like sorry you caught me with my dick in someone else's mouth songs I think a lot of these maybe are like that Um, he it's unclear whether he really misses her or just misses doing it with her Um, the lyric there was something in everything about you is both um, like charmingly inarticulate and could mean that the the object of this lyric got sick of his shit and left because he never would say I love you back to her. And this is what he, like, desperately, like, ver- verped up, as he said about the last song. <laughs> um, but at the same time, that lyric is so exact in its inexactitude that it's, hist- like, it's historic. It's amazing. Um... But with all of that said, like either this is utterly sincere or this is the kind of shit that you become a rock star because you can turn it on and off to get your ass out of trouble for giving somebody the herp. So that's really moist um, morally. And then it's it's so moist sounding. The dude was on a fucking soap. Okay, what's what's
2: moister than a bubble bath? Nothing. Number one. I just also, the sound of it, I was thinking about this today. It is almost R&B but it isn't quite because the singing doesn't have enough heft to really sell emotion at the level that R&B needs to work. Right. And the groove is a little too polished and smooth. Mm -hmm. And so it's like R and B adjacent, (laughs) but I feel like the adjacency to R and B is so moist. Yes. I absolutely agree. Baby. I've, I watched Marvin Gaye one time and I'm going (laughs) to do my best to simulate that so that you'll listen to, you'll smell my Dracar Noir and come over here and get on this waterbed. And it's just like, the, oh, I, the sound spicy. of this song! The sound of this song is so pleasing to me. I actually fucking love this song, and didn't know how much I loved it until I was preparing for this episode. And it's the one I keep listening to the most because it feels kind of new in the fact that I'm appreciating it for the first time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the, the I want to read a quick quote from. Tom Brian, who writes the outstanding number ones column on the website. Stereo gum.
1: This will not be the last time we hear from Mr. Brian.
2: No, uh, but he writes about every song that reached number one in America. And so this song did, and of this song, he writes the members of player don't sound like regretful ex-boyfriends. They sound like the sort of scummy ex-boyfriends who are performing their own regret. And not mm-hmm. doing it all that convincingly. <laughs> its sincerity is so insincere that it jumps right out at you. And this is what he writes in an overall uh, positive piece about the song. He actually loves the song. And I am right there with him. There's, it's like so perfectly insincere that I love it.
1: Yeah. But it's like, whatever I did, I'm sorry. Just, you know, come back and drop your panties. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and it's like, what and it's I- this is a
1: panty dropper that riff and those harmonies. Yes. Like, this is one of those things that's like this build. I don't know. I have a lot of respect across all media for a build that is extremely cynical and designed to manipulate me and doesn't really bother trying to hide it because we're all just we all have our jobs to do. And like Max Martin's is to make me chair dance. And yep. his songs is to get my, you know, lady BVDs on the ground pronto, even though I'm kind of pissed because you were supposed to feed my cat and I came home and you were fucking whatever Darla from down the hall. Why am I writing fanfic about the song? I don't know. <laughs> Long story, very short. Tom Bryan is exactly right, that it's like this performative non-regret that you don't believe. Like, the the insincerity is almost the point, that it's like, whatever, I'm sorry, okay, whatever I did.
2: And it's like one of those things, it makes me think about Jared Leto. My perception <laughs> of oh Jared my Leto. Oh god, here we go. Right, Jared Leto is so objectively beautiful that he will never not get laid. Uh-huh. But I can imagine a... Jared Leto, in my mind, who will sometimes go through the motions of apologizing <laughs> so that he can get laid immediately. Uh huh. And I just feel like this is that song. It's like, uh, you know, you hear my singing, like you said, like, you, you know, those lady BVDs are coming down, <laughs> but it's like, sure, I'll go through the motions of saying the script. It's just not trying to hide it, like you said, yeah. which makes me respect it. It's Andrew frequently says about people if you're going to be a bitch, just be a bitch yeah and
1: everyone's busy just be (laughs) like just be a bitch
2: so if you're gonna be a cynical ploy to make me spread them for you just do that and this song does it perfectly i love it it is obviously both for you and me our number one moistest song in this group uh it's number two for the patrons they gave it four points and sarah Um... i'm gonna make a prediction that I think at the end of this season, we're going to find baby come back still doing quite well.
1: Yeah. I don't think, I mean, of course it's the number one right now and it's in our inaugural top five. I don't, I don't think it leaves the top five.
2: I mean, I definitely think that it's going to, I'm never going to be able to just disregard it. I will always have to compare everything else against it as I'm making Mm -hmm. my choices.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like, it's like the waiter who is 20 years younger than you and is flirting with you, you know, it's to get a tip, but like, I you know, <laughs> I'll give you a tip. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and you know what? If, um, if, if you just unbutton one more button on that shirt, maybe you're going to get 30% tonight.
1: <laughs> I mean, you like a players going to play or, like you have to respect it. So
2: I also do want to add one other fun fact. The, um, one of the writers of this song went on to co-write Twist of Fate by Olivia Newton-John, which is a fabulous forgotten hit for her in the from the early 80s. So Olivia Newton-John, who will appear later, when she got uh, dance happy in the 80s, one of the guys of Player was able to help her write a dope-ass song. Nice. Just a little fun fact. Well, our final rankings for our first five songs are Tide for Fifth, we have All I Know and Angel of the Morning. So not very moist today. In third place, we have Babe with nine points. Oh, um, the other two songs had five points. In third place with nine points, Babe. And in second place with 12 points, Arthur's Theme. But then a clear first place with 14 points out of a possible 15, Baby Come Back."
1: That all lines up. I'm not surprised or disappointed by anything that happened, but keep in mind all of these points hard one or not one as they were are reset to zero in the next episode when another five songs come in and then we got to re-rank the whole list and we're not obligated to leave things in the same position that we left them.
2: That's right. Everything could change next week. Uh, But I will say, we are not going to really talk about these songs again. We're limiting the conversation to the five newbies. So, you know, keep all of our comments in mind. And if uh, suddenly we find that everything is in a different place in the ranking, well, you know, remember what we said here.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Um, uh, But, you know, keep in mind that, uh, look, we we don't know what's going to happen either. So, baby, come back next week and see what happens. (gasps) Well
2: done. Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs is hosted by Mark Blankenship, That's Me, and Sarah D. Bunting.
1: That's me. I also edit the podcast, which is a proud member of the Bleave Network. Learn more at BLEAV.com.
2: To learn more about us, submit song requests, get a pop chart reading, or buy a Mastis book, visit our website at Mark and Sarah You'll also find all of our social media links there, too. That's Mark and
1: Sarah with an H, talkaboutsongs.com. And for even more content and access to the Mastass Happy Hour, become a Patreon supporter at Patreon.com/Mastass. Thanks for listening.
0: Mark and Sarah talk about songs. Talk about